0: So good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the second Essendon Board podcast for 2015. I'm Bonser34, and I'm once again joined by Dos. How are you this evening, Dos?
1: Oh, I'm pretty good, mate. How are you?
0: I'm good. Now, before I get to my next guest, Doss, I just have to ask a question, mate. How does it feel? How does what feel? How does being the reason that WADA came over the top feel?
1: I'm pretty comfortably satisfied with it, to be honest. Um, yeah, actually pretty shit. But here we go. It, it, it's been it's been what 27 months now, so another another year on top. What's that? I think we're pretty used to it by now, aren't we?
0: I must admit, I do love the uh, comfortably satisfied pun because I didn't even tell you I was going to do yeah. that. But straight but up, you've got smartass
1: situations, mate. Got to embrace it.
0: And we are joined, of course, by another well-known board member tonight. And that's Bipolar Bear. How are you going, this evening, mate?
2: Very good, ladies and gentlemen.
0: So we'll jump straight into Friday nights. Debacle, I suppose. Uh, Dos, you very luckily didn't get to see much of it. Not
1: much. I uh, I missed all in the entire first half, uh, still being at work. Uh, I went to some bar in Hawthorne and started watching the third quarter, and quickly saw Lindsay Thomas throwing back his head, and I uh, oh. uh, started to get annoyed, and then I saw him throw back his head again, and then I said to I said to the better half, I said I think we probably better go home. I'm I'm just, I'm just getting very angry watching this. And um, she drove, and I was following the final bit of the game uh, on my on my phone, just uh, watching the scores. And when we got within five points, I got a bit excited, and then goal, goal to North, and I was tempted Sheep to throw it. the phone out the window, but I didn't. Cheap goal too. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even see it. I haven't, and I have not bothered watching the, that the last bit of the replay. I don't need to see that. Um, yeah. So, look in terms of the game, I I actually can't offer that much insight. I mean, the, the bit the bit that I did see, uh uh, it looked, it, it, that was the third quarter, wasn't it? Um, I suppose uh, it seemed pretty similar to the past. The ball movement wasn't fantastic. Um, look, at least our endeavours seemed to be better.
0: Yeah, well, and I, it's interesting you mentioned Lindsay Thomas because I'm pretty sure that both of us said that he was a ducking so-and-so last week on the podcast um, and he certainly lived up to that on Friday night. <laughs> yeah, oh, vindicated on that call. Yeah, yeah. How about you, bipolar? How did you see the game?
2: Yeah, it was um, it was an interesting game. We sort of um, the second quarter was actually really entertaining. I thought we played much better footer football, but it actually might have just been purely because of the fact that the uh, the free kick count went, out, went our way for once. So, but um, yeah, it was it was just one of those games where I, I really thought it was heavily affected by the umpiring. I know it's probably just you know the S, the Essendon coming out of me there. But, um, yeah, like the first quarter, we just couldn't do anything. Like, and in the third quarter, whenever we got momentum, they, there was just a, a bad call that went against us, like McKernan's mark that wasn't called a mark and things like that. So that was a certain goal. So, yeah, just one of those games, I guess.
0: The worst part about the McKernan mark was that they went straight up the other end and kicked the goal from it. Yeah. So it's effectively a 12-point play that the umpires have, have basically cost us there.
2: Yeah, it was a massive swing in in momentum as well, because you sort of felt the momentum change.
0: Yeah, the the players did sort of, it was like the life had just been taken out of them a little bit. Yeah. It was interesting, though, Doss, that you said that our ball movement was stagnant. I mean, you did only see the the second half, but I thought, especially in the first sort of quarter and a bit, that we were playing on at all costs, it, it, it felt very much... Oh, not not quite as bad as what it was in the Matty Knights era where we just kamikaze ran forward, but it did seem mm. to me like we played on an awful lot in that first sort of quarter and a half. Is that how you saw it, Bipolar, or, or do yeah. you think we were sort of still the same as last
2: week? No, nah, oh, I totally agree. I sort of... I, I automatically thought of the Knights era as well. Um, it was sort of more possession footy still, but we were, we were playing on a lot. Um, you could sort of tell, like, I mean, uh, players like... Uh, Merritt sort of got caught. Hebble got caught a couple of times, which you don't see him get tackled very often. Um, yeah, just like aggressive endeavour. Dempsey did it a couple of times as well, took some players on. So it was yeah. nice to see. I just hope we can find a good mix between that and the defensive game, though.
1: The, the, the bit I saw, so um, at the start of the third quarter, that they, I, I agree, they were, yeah, like I should qualify, but they were moving, they were, they were moving the ball much quicker. Um, I thought the second half of the third quarter, they did seem to uh, revert back to type a little bit. Uh, and, and that was when North then got a couple of goals back. Um, so I, I don't know if that was a complete coincidence that that happened. But, um, yeah, look, at, look, as I said at the at the outset, I'm not in a great position to offer much insight on the game itself because so I do not see much of it. know, um, I, I feel the, given the result, it was probably a good thing.
0: Yeah, I think... It it's definitely it definitely does it did show that when we stopped being that little bit more attacking and went back to the sort of defensive mindset that they did kick those quick couple of goals. Mm. I feel like James Hurd's trying to get us to play a similar game plan to even Fremantle, sort of like a Ross mm. Lyon style of football. My issue with that is is they have a lot more mature bodies. Uh, blokes like I mean Merritt, Will Hams, although he didn't play Gleeson and that. They're not built for that sort of football. So I feel like we're trying to fit a game plan to the players, fit a player to the players to the game plan rather than fit the game plan to the players.
2: Well, the thing is, I mean, we're never, you know, playing Fremantle's game plan, we're never going to be anywhere near as good as they are at what they do because they've been doing it for a long period of time. I think that we're better off having a sort of game plan that suits our, our, our list. And that's something that I thought that Bomber Thompson did really well last year. So it's sort of hard to replace that.
1: And I suppose suppose the other point I'd make is that if we are trying to replicate Fremantle, um, or I suppose specifically Ross Lyon, um, when he first joined St Kilda, I I remember in 2007, their form was really up and down, and um, they didn't, in fact, didn't even make finals that season. Mm. Um, Fremantle in 2012, in uh, Lyon's first season, they, for the first half of the season, struggled. Um, I mean, they had, they had some good wins, but they also had plenty of not particularly, plenty of not particularly good performances. Um, and then near the end of 2012, it really started to click. So, I mean, I suppose if Herd is trying to replicate that, then I suppose then maybe we can see what is still to come this season. Um, then Herd is not lying either. So. I don't know. I think I think the point that bipolar bear made is pretty good. I'm just not sure we quite have the mature bodies to pull that off, especially with uh, Myers and Hocking out.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, we don't really have that sort of. Um, I mean, even their sort of, you know, their their lower grade players are have huge bodies. Like you look at Clancy Pierce. Like he really played a role today. Like he was he was incredibly good. You know, like I mean, our equivalent would be say, oh, well, Howlett. You reckon? Sort of. Yeah, a similar sort of, yeah, yeah.
0: That's a fair call. Hell, it's probably one of our bottom bottom run players, I suppose. That, that does do do a role, or should be doing a role.
2: Yeah, and he sort of, I mean, he has sort of probably two good games a season where you sort of go, actually, you know what, he is a player. But Clancy Pierce will sort of come out and do four games. Like it's just a matter of getting that experience, I think, and, and sort of, you know, the um, continuity within the team as well. So like people were talking about. All the time, you know, switching Hurley forward and Carl back and all that crap. But I just think that there needs to be continuity, regardless of what we do. A bit like the way Melksham's been played.
0: Yeah. Again, obviously, Friday night the forward line was a big problem. I don't know what's going on with Danaher. I don't. I understand that he's young and I understand that we need to give him game time. But does he go talk to his uncle? Does he go talk to Terry and find out how to play a oh. key position like that? I mean, because at times on Friday he just looked completely lost. Mm. Um, and, but then again, other times, he looked like he was going to, going to yeah, create the contest, and he gave us a glimpse of what we will get in the future.
2: Well, something I really noticed he was doing on the, on the, um, on the on Friday was he he often he's often behind his defender i 'm not sure why he, you know, why he feels like that's a, a good thing for him, but with the type of player that he is, he should be doing what Nick Rewald does and just running nonstop and you know and sort of just trying to get to the front of the contest. So I don't know. I don't really that sort of suits him.
1: Yeah, there was so someone made the point. I uh, apologize, I don't remember who it was, but someone on the board, I think maybe men this morning, was making the point that um, in in your, in your days of Lloyd and or saying say when he was at Sydney, um, one of the things that really characterised their games was their sort of their double up leading. Like that, they might make one lead, then they make another, and then they then it, they might even make a third one if the if the second one wasn't on it. I, I don't see Danaher or Carlisle really doing that. Um, the, I mean, and I suppose the other side of that is that the delivery in from the midfield is still pretty subst- substandard. Uh, That's but, true. But there just isn't enough. Our forward line is still too static. Um, how there's much, not enough. Yeah.
2: How much do you reckon our Cooney straightens that inside delivery? Because he seemed like those first two games, the amount of times he got that in... And, and to a target well, was incredible.
1: It it, it, it certainly helps your, it, 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 as a forward, um, having, I mean, I've never played forward myself when I played football, but I find it impossible to imagine that it wouldn't help your leading patterns if you knew you had someone who you could be confident who, um, yeah. would deliver it lace-out to you uh, in a place that you demand it. Um, I mean, I suppose we've got Gardard, Sorry, Goddard that can do that as well. Um, yeah, But... Having two people that can do that would definitely help us. I suppose, unlike Goddard, Cooney has a serious turn of speed still when he needs to as well. So, um, that's where Cooney can be particularly dangerous because he can break away from a a pack pretty quickly and can just deliver it straight out to you. Um, I'll
2: tell you you who did hit a few lace out deliveries though McKernan. I actually thought he was much better than people thought. Like, he he hit a few targets right in the chest, um, you know, that you wouldn't have expected him to hit. He was that, like under pressure, and I thought he was pretty good.
0: That lace-out hit to Jobe in the first quarter made me sit up and go, who the hell is this oh. guy? Mm.
2: It was if incredible.
0: You, if you haven't seen that, Doss, I dare say... You,
1: yeah, go back and watch talk. that stuff. I mean, yeah. But even the third quarter, the, the bit that I saw, I, I thought I, I liked the way he competed. Um, and, look, I, I really I really hope that the, the coaching panel give him another shot and keep him in. I, I, I thought he absolutely did enough to... To, to, you know, to deserve a second shot, um, I, I, I've been on record as saying I, I thought it was it was wrong that it, it took him, took him this long to get a game. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, look, we can only hope we can only hope that they see some sense there because I, I, I thought he didn't prove.
0: He'll definitely go again, I imagine, because am I right in saying that Heard said in his, in his press after match press conference that Bell Chambers has been carrying a fractured kneecap since around yeah. round
1: Apparently you said yeah. that, yeah, which I, that's, that's pretty stunning if he's been playing all that time with that. Um, I, I suppose it also, what does that say about, um, say, Giles' form in the VFL?
2: Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Like, yeah. I mean, if, if a guy's playing with a fractured knee and you've got a, a Ruckman in the VFL that could that could step up and, and he could be put on a long-term injury list of that, I'm sure. Um, I mean, oh, Giles can't be that bad. He was He wasn't that bad at GWS, was he?
1: No, there was actually one little period there at GWS where he was everyone was saying how good he'd been for them. Yeah. Um,
2: he actually reminded me of David Hill a lot when he was playing there, cuz he could sneak forward and kick those goals and sort of be that big body target, you know.
1: Yeah, he I mean from what I've seen of him in the VFL, he's been middling at best. Uh mm. he hasn't really he hasn't really stood up as I may have expected him to.
0: Look, to be honest, my main thought here is how bloody stupid is this club, really. I mean I know Giles form hasn't been fantastic, but Bell Chambers has a fractured kneecap. I I know it's not oh, a world like, I know yeah. it's not a world ending injury, but he's a rockman. He runs yeah. around the ground all game.
2: On a heavy frame.
0: On a heavy frame. Yeah. He's got a, and he's got a fracture and their response is I oh, will just keep playing. I mean yeah,
1: it's, it's
0: I agree with like, you. I think it's stupid. Are they are they serious? I mean, uh, He's only going to get worse. He's only going to deteriorate. So, for love of God, give him a few weeks off. Let him heal up and let him come back again. I know he's starved of football and I know that he himself will probably want to be will be pushing to play. But this is the time when, I mean, Herden that have to just stand there, well, try and look him in the eye because he towers over him, and, and just yeah. say, no, you sit out, you get healthy, and then you come back.
2: Yeah, yeah. I totally agree. Maybe it's something to do it's his, it's his contract season, isn't
0: it? Yeah, I think so. I'm which, pretty sure it is, anyway. which
1: is a, it's not a good situation if you're giving games to no. someone uh, and potentially playing him to the ground based on based on the fact that they've got a contract renewal coming up. That, that that's that's not a good situation at all to be. No, that's horrible. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it makes you wonder sort of about the duty of care standards once again.
1: (laughs) Once again, geez, we haven't had any of that in
2: the last few years. You talking about mate? (laughs) Now, shocking.
0: We did touch on it briefly, but we will talk about it a little bit more. Umpiring on Friday night was horrendous. I think the second quarter there, they and I think I counted maybe four or five goals that can be deliberately um, attributed to terrible umpiring decisions.
2: Mm. Yeah. Uh, sorry, you go.
0: I was going to say, do we think that's a problem now in Destiny games? Are, have we been seeing it more? I mean, I don't watch a great deal of other games. Does it seem to happen to us more than other clubs?
2: Oh, uh, see, I reckon it's probably just because because we've been in trouble with the AFL lately. We might just mot- notice it more. You know, like when it happens, we really make noise about it. Like I remember, parts. yeah 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 like I mean with that first with the first really bad call, I don't remember exactly which one it was, but I remember seeing like the the crowd and on the t v just being up in up in arms about it, like and I was sort of like, yeah, it's one bad call, but you know but then then it kept on happening and it just got worse and worse, and eventually you'd hear the boos. like it was a, it was just crazy
1: yeah i mean i I didn't as I said, I didn't see the whole game, um the consensus among people seemed to be that in the first half we got Roger, and in the second half that we actually probably got the rub of the green, if anything.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. Thomas aside, I mean, I mean, but Thomas, we know well with him that he's, he's standard, his standard mode of operation is to gets the ball and he pretty much dives kamikaze head first straight into the nearest person to try and draw a free kick. Doesn't he? That's what he does. Oh. Um, and look, uh, he's, he's not the only guy that does it. Um, He's, he's just more outwardly offensive in the way he does mm. and seems to rub it in people's faces more.
2: He, he gets um, away with a, a lot, though, as well. Like, yeah, they, he's, know, he's, they know he does it. He's insufferable. He's particularly insufferable.
0: The worst mm. part for me was when he when it happens, he gets up laughing because he knows he got away with it. He knows he yeah. sucked another one in.
1: Yeah. What was his tweet after the game? Something about, I'll, I'll have duck risotto for dinner tonight. He, just like, you, you, are an absolute, you are an absolute so-and-so, mate. Seriously.
2: Yeah. What about um? I don't know about you guys, but uh, Drew Petrie is an Essendon supporter. Like after that, you know that he, he wasn't there for the whole game in, the, in that in that final. Rocks after that last quarter, buries us, and he just sort of did the same thing in the last quarter again yesterday. Just annihilated us. Like, I mean, what do we do about that? Well,
1: <laughs> well, well what you can play, you
2: can play at the end of the day. That's... Mm, he's good. He's really good, but he just seems to do it against us.
0: We can yes. thank Matthew Knights for that one, actually, guys, because uh, in Sheedy's last year, Petrie was all but signed to us, and then Matthew Knights came on board and decided he didn't want him. So mm. just a leftover decision from, from his era, where, <laughs> which seems to Is that point. right? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah right. I don't know how public knowledge that is, but I'll just go out on a limb and say so I, I have a source, uh, mm. which is... Very, very reliable, and I think I think a few people know of it, but I don't want to speak mm. it too loudly.
1: Fair <laughs> enough. Yeah. Well, gee, we, we probably wouldn't have said no. Put it
0: that no, way. Well, I think I think it was uh, everyone was keen except for Matthew, and Matthew decided to say no to Drew, and then went on and recruited Mark Williams. So that so, was a great decision. And and,
1: Ma- and Michael still.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. Oh
0: yeah. Oh wow. So <laughs> many Knight, Sesson and champion. <laughs> We'll leave. We'll leave the Friday night game there, fellas. Uh, I don't think there's much more to come out of it. We'll go to the topic that's probably going to dominate Essendon headlines for another nine months, thanks to Dos and East Dog from last week. That is that is wider. Sorry, I, was... so I suppose first thing reactions. Dos obviously a bit of shock that they appealed.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I was actually genuinely surprised. I, I went to bed on um, was it Monday night, wasn't it? I went, w- went to bed, not even thinking about it, because it, it seemed to be seemed to be pretty much done. And uh, I woke up woke up on Tuesday morning and I checked my phone and I had a, had a, a message there from someone saying, um, expletive, expletive, water appealing." And I just sort of looked at it and thought, you, "You've got to be kidding me." And then I looked at a looked at a um, headline and it confirmed it, and I just. I just threw my phone down on the couch, and I mean, and bought a coffee. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. It's just, yeah, you know, it was just one of those moments, you know, I just thought I just thought the shit was over. And it's it's not. Um, I guess we don't really know what's going to happen, and we just got
2: to buckle in, buckle in again.
0: Bipolar, what was your initial reaction? Were you surprised by the decision?
2: I, I wasn't, to be honest with you. I, I had a feeling they'd swoop in at the last minute, just as a sort of, yeah, caught that sort of thing. You know, they're sort of – yeah, look, I don't know. I'm not i am not really the best best person to talk to with regards to the the water Asada stuff. I, I To be honest with you, I've genuinely tried to avoid it as much as I possibly can because it is very depressing to think about. Um, and I sort of find that I just get myself in a lot of arguments and stuff like that on the forum that and you're just sort of banging your head against the wall and I just go, I could just be doing something more positive. So it's one of those things I just sort of – I just try to wait out I just sort of stick my nose in it occasionally to see what, what's going on, but yeah, I wasn't surprised—not not one bit, to be
0: yeah, honest. Yeah, that, that's fair enough. I think, I think I was a little bit surprised, to be honest. I mean, I I was actually up until about one o'clock that morning, and I and I believed that midnight was the deadline, as as had been said mm. multiple times on the forum. So I went to bed very satisfied that night, thinking it was over, and then I woke up and. It wasn't until I got to work and someone said, oh, did you hear about WADA? I went, oh, what did they release the statement explaining why they didn't appeal? And they went, no, no, they've they've appealed. And, yeah, uh, yeah so it's... I don't think they've delivered their brief yet, so there is that small possibility they'll still pull out before it gets anywhere, but whether or not they do is, is obviously up for debate. I
1: do highly doubt that. I think they've come this far. I think they'll have to carry it through.
0: Yeah, I understand where you're coming from, but... I disagree that they have to. They've been in this situation before and have still pulled out. So mm. I think there is still a chance, but I would agree it would be a fairly remote chance.
2: It makes you wonder whether they've got an additional evidence or, I mean, do they just have it? I mean, if they've only got what Asada what a had, then, you know, they're probably not going to get much. But then again, I guess with the the WADA thing, is it the fact that the AFL aren't as involved in the decision-making process? or
0: I'm not sure. I mean, if they don't have any extra evidence and they're just taking the same case to a different court, it's a big slap in the face to the AFL.
2: Especially if it gets done, like if we get done for it.
0: Yeah, and and I think the AFL will be very strongly considering and be indicating this very strongly to WADA. I don't think the AFL will pull out of WADA. I think to do so would be extremely stupid Um, from a political point of view as as well as a funding point of view but I I dare say that they would be trying to lean on Asada slash WADA here and just maybe use that as a threat whether or not it's successful or whether or not WADA or Asada actually give us stuff whether AFL signed up or not is of course an entirely different question.
1: Yeah, I think think one of the things that uh, the point that was made uh, I think maybe Lance Upicup during the week um, is that them appealing is a massive slap in the face with the AFL because what what it's effectively saying is we don't we effectively don't trust the ind- independence of that tribunal, um, you know, led by David Jones, um, because yeah, water are effectively yeah they are effectively saying that we don't believe that the evidence was evaluated properly, um, and I think the I think the logical extension of that, uh, even though they wouldn't have said as such, is that that's that's because they believe that the tribunal was not sufficiently impartial enough. Um, I don't I don't buy that. I, I think the tribunal actually was was pretty impartial, and you know I, I don't think the judgment was necessarily as um, favourable to Essendon as people made you know, people made it made it out to be. It wasn't conclusively for mine at least, it wasn't conclusively um, uh, positive towards this. And it was just more that we we cannot with any reasonable confidence say that uh, the Essendon players took TB 4 because there, there isn't enough, uh, there aren't enough links in the uh, chains of evidence to be able to establish that. I don't think it was necessarily, um, you know, completely uh, positive for us at all. I think it was just more that the tribunal said we cannot with any confidence say that. Um, but wider, obviously... Uh, I think wider are implying that they can't trust that.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. They didn't shut the door. They didn't say the Essendon players didn't do it. Uh, so I don't think it was a pro-Essendon verdict. It certainly no. helped the players, but definitely did not help the club at all, in my opinion.
1: But that's exactly right, and that that is a very good distinction. It was good for the players, but not good for the club. Um, and I think... Yeah, maybe some people got a little bit carried away with you know, sort of saying that it that it was that it was you know it was um, that it was pretty much vindication for everything the club's done over the last couple of years. I'm not really sure if that's the case. I think it was just more that they weren't able to establish that, um, yeah, with certainty that they that the drugs were definitely administered.
0: Yeah, well, I think we'll just touch off on the wider now because to be honest. Yeah.
1: It's it's pretty tiresome, boring, uh, not boring, but depressing subject.
0: Mm. So we'll jump to another topic now. I did a series of questions last week, but I won't really do those this week because, to be perfectly honest, I, I haven't uh, prepared them because, as you two know, I've been a little bit uh, distracted <laughs> today.
2: You are maggot squire is the uh, is the word. Um, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> I, look, I don't
2: want you to do them anyway because you'll curse the bloody club in some way. So yeah,
0: you know. yeah, well, that's what happened Just last don't week. It. Thanks, Doss. <laughs> So we'll just we'll have a quick discussion about one of the topics that's up there and similar to one of the questions last week, and that is, of course, Darren, Darren Buick versus uh, Mark McCurry. Oh. Who, who would you pick and, and, and why? I'll go at it, boys. Tell me. Try and convince me.
2: Well, D- Darren Buick was... He's pretty much the reason why I chose Essendon as a kid. I, I absolutely love watching I remember when I was little, I just did, I didn't have a team until I was about seven. And... So, um. I remember watching Darren Buick play and thinking he was just the best. He was sort of the Stevie J of that generation. Um, you know, like every time he, he got the ball around the forward line, he'd he you know he'd hit a target. He'd hit a goal from anywhere. Like he was just absolutely electrifying. Um, I McCurry just just the way he sort of he was a phenomenal player, but the way he sort of tailed off in the end, sort of that was the thing that swayed my decision um, towards Buick. But, yeah, no, I, I I think it's a fair... It's definitely a, a really good poll, though. Well, what it's, do you think, Doss?
1: An amazing, amazing poll, I think. I think hmm. it's, it's so hard to choose between them. Um, I think Buick was possibly more consistently a match winner for us for longer. Um, Mikuri's ceiling was higher. Uh, I mean, Mikuri, Mikuri did things which just... Uh, just made you weep almost, though, that good, didn't he? Like, it, you yeah. watched some of his highlights from 1999. It, like,
0: it's depressing. It,
1: it, well, he <laughs> was just, it, just Silk. Um, silk. In fact, silk, silk doesn't even do it justice. He um, just made football look stupidly easy. But, and it, it is depressing because you, you look at it and go, how can someone make playing the game of football looked that easy. Like, he just yeah. used to do things which were just unreal. And it's depressing um,
2: that we don't have anyone like that now as well, when we had a, a yeah. few like that of that era, you know.
1: Yeah. So. Darren Buick. Um, geez, I mean, couldn't be kill for a forward like him these days. Mm-hmm. Um, Darren when Buick. When was
2: the last time we had a good for small forward? Is
0: it, is it probably, Buick?
1: Well, he was probably it. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, Monfries did a job. Um, Dean Riley could have if he hadn't have been lazy. Damien
0: Cupid, I did um, it for a season.
1: Darren, yeah, yeah cupid <laughs> did it for a season, um, but Darren Buick's First the last consistently did it. Yeah, um, Buick. I don't think I've, I still don't think I've ever seen a player who loved a goal more than he did. He was just—I mean—they called him hungry for a reason. He—he um, he yeah, he, he absolutely loved it, didn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah.
2: That's what made him good, though. You know, it was that. Yeah,
1: I, yeah because he actually had the ability to back it up. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, was, I was only a young kid, but I can still remember him. Absolutely destroying Geelong in that um, oh. that centenary game in 1996.
0: First uh, game back from a knee rico and he kicks out. Of awesome.
1: First came back after a year out. I mean, it's, it, what a it's way amazing. Way yeah. For me. Uh, so look, I, I would go Buick by a nose personally.
0: For me, I'll I'll, I'll say Buick too. Mercury was a a superstar. Um, would would have been remembered a lot. Oh. Would have been remembered much higher, of course, if he hadn't tailed off, but he, he did tail off. We know the reasons. We won't well, we'll talk about the reasons why he tailed yeah. off. They're obviously completely understandable reasons. Um, yeah. And certainly if I was in his it's position, so I probably would have tailed off a lot further than what he did. So I yeah. think it's a, a sign of the mental toughness of him that he managed to still go out week in, week out and, and do something like that. For me, Buick, the, the, the one memory I have, the one memory that sums sums Buick up for me Almost perfectly, but not quite. Uh, It was in the final series in 2000, and it it might have been against North Melbourne, where uh, the ball was kicked down, and he he chased it to the boundary line. He tapped it back in behind himself. He had his opponent beat. He could have picked it up and run in and kicked the easiest of goals. Instead, he just tried to kick it off the ground from about 20 metres out on the boundary line in the pocket, and it bounced, and it looked for all money it was going through. And the only thing that's not perfect was just at the last second... Did a, <laughs> did a right turn that Warney would have been proud of and bounced away. That was yeah. the kind of player he was. He, he made the impossible look ridiculously easy. And if he could choose the, the impossible way, he always did.
2: Yeah. No, he's an amazing yeah
0: and, I think,
1: and I think with Buick, um, it, we, we talk about the nine ninety three Premiership. I, I reckon he won it for us as much as anyone. I mean, yep. his, his grand final was decent, but he his preliminary final was just phenomenal. Uh, oh. It yeah, when you when you just kill for a, when you kill for any forward who kicks six goals, but kick six goals as a small forward in the way he did, just crumb the ball, just a, Darren Buick was a phenomenal player.
0: Well, yeah, and it's funny you mentioned the '93 prelim because that was the game where he ran it was going right into the open goal and they they get and the and the Adelaide player ankle tapped him and he he went down. They paid the free kick and he went back and they said, oh, you know it's terrible. They've given away a free kick and now he has to retake the kick and you know, it's going to put a lot more pressure on Buick. And, and he went and just so, calmly slid it back. And I just remember yeah. Bruce McIverney going, yeah, maybe, maybe that wasn't maybe that wasn't such a uh, good decision by Adelaide to to, to to make him actually go back and be allowed to take that set shot as opposed to having to kick it on the run. Because obviously... Just, just love um, the pressure. Had, loved had a lot more time to settle, had a lot more time to embrace the pressure and just went back and said, get that up, you fellas, because here we come.
1: Basically, he was one of those guys, you, you didn't give him a chance because he generally hurt you. Yeah, he, he generally hurt when he got, when he got the chance. And, uh, yeah, he, he still remains one of my favourite bombers. I mean, not that McCurry isn't, um, but Darren Bueck is, yeah, he retains a pretty special place for me as an in player.
0: Now, we play Brisbane this Sunday, and they've just caused the mother of all upsets in port. So they'll be riding high, which is exactly what we want at this time of year, a poor team high on confidence, because we always do so well against them. Before we, before we talk about the game, and we will only touch on it briefly, Doss, is there a tank running before this one?
1: I don't believe there is. Uh, I believe the next one, uh, the next tank is actually before the Geelong game. Um, and furthermore, I believe that there, there are some plans afoot to make that a joint one uh, with a few people from the Geelong board. Um,
2: I'll make yeah, you up in on that weekend. <laughs> oh,
1: well, there we go. Okay. We, we, we always get bipolar bear along. Operation get bipolar bear along.
0: <laughs> yeah i think I, I actually think I'm in town for the uh, Geelong game, so I even I might turn up to that one
1: well, the other thing with that is that the uh, v f l game is at three twenty at Etihad. It was originally at one o'clock at Windy Hill, um, but they moved it to Etihad as sort of like a double header um, so i suppose I suppose what I was thinking was that I would maybe go and watch the first half of the v f l and then uh leave Etihad and go to a, go to a pub for a couple of hours and have about 29 beers, and then <laughs> go back to go back to the game and watch us probably fluff another narrow loss to Geelong, as we generally do.
2: <laughs> yep. Yeah,
1: always.
0: So anyone listening, if you want to get along, the next one, will, as Doss just said, will be against Geelong. Now, Sunday, Brisbane, surely we can't fluff this. Surely we, we win this one.
1: Uh, we, we absolutely can fluff it, and we'll probably come very close to it. Um, I think I said in the preview that we'd we'd probably eke out an ugly fourteen point win or something like that, and I still I still stand by that. Uh, I, I put simply, Essendon doesn't. We don't do big wins. We don't do big losses. So, I mean, I remember the, seeing a the stat the last time that we won or lost a game by more than twenty eight points was round seventeen last year when we smashed Collingwood. Um, it, it's just the way we play. Uh, we are not a, a side that plays football that allows us to be either killed by a lot. Um, I mean, a free-o probably should have. We, we'd scored a few late ones, which made it look better. Um, but we, we're not generally a side that allows, plays football that allows us to be smashed by a lot, and we are certainly are certainly not a side that, allows, that plays football that allows us to win by a lot. Uh, so however much for the ball we get, we just, just don't make much use of
0: it. So, Bipolar Bear, I'll just quickly get a quick uh, tip and prediction from you before we wrap things up.
2: I can uh, I can imagine it being pretty much exactly the same as the St Kilda game, just sort of squeezing one out. You know, nothing particularly impressive. Something that sort of leaves us a little bit mad about the win, even though we shouldn't be. But um, yeah, that's pretty much what I see happening. So a win for me, but by probably about nine points or something like that.
0: Well, stuff you two. I'm going to go all optimistic and say we'll beat them by 13 goals and Danaher will kick six. Oh, <laughs> oh,
1: the uh, the uh, Bonser of sock is at full extension.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but that that'll do us for tonight, fellas. Uh, I think we've gone our, our, our half hour quota, which is which is always nice. It's been a pleasure talking to you both, so thank you both very much for being on tonight. Cheers. Then no well. once again, anybody else that wants to be involved, please by all means just send us a PM as Bipolar did. Uh probably talk to DOS because he's more likely to reply than I. As I think I left Bipolar Bear hanging for three days. <laughs> uh Bonzer. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, classic Bonzer. But uh, thanks again for listening, guys, and we'll see you next time.
2: See you later. Ciao.